Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're heading back to the Spider-Verse, and we've got a zillion things to catch up on because we fell into our own splintering universes and canon events and just roll the music. We're going to give you a little context now about our new format. Uh, We're trying mostly to talk about whole movies, mostly, Uh, seasons, books, etc. that we've consumed and keeping our list high and tight, as they say in the barbershop. Who wrote this? (laughs) It was certainly not you and certainly me who's never heard that in a real barbershop. Yeah, I'm like, that's not a thing. that's maybe a thing that is said. (laughs) All right. But we're also the Knicks, so we're going to nix something, too, each of us, each week. So if you like that, let us know. Rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. They tell us it will help people find us, but none of you ever do it, so we have no idea. Moving on. (laughs) You want to talk about things we both did, Justin? Yeah. Uh, let's start with Across the Spider-Verse, which every time I say I have to look up to make sure that I've gotten the title right, because it is very similar to the first one, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, this is a direct continuation of that story. There is a third part coming soon. Uh, many of you have probably already seen this, if you're listening to this. Um, it apparently is kicking ass at the box office and on its way to becoming... Probably the number one movie of the summer, which I think surprised a lot of people. Um, This has been a huge sensation. We go back and listen to it. I think we both really loved the first one. Uh, We both rewatched the first one recently. And um, yeah, still have, yeah, uh, so much respect for what it did. There's a slight shift, I think, in the directors on this one. There's some new people in the mix. It's not just uh, Lord and Miller who did the Lego movies. It's like they're producers, but I don't think they're quite as uh, directly involved in the directing. Um, But yeah, what did you, just as a refresher, uh, you know, did you love the first one? Oh yeah, I adored the first one. And what did you think of the second one? I loved it even more. (laughs) That's my spoiler-free report. Um, Yeah, we're going to go spoilers on all of these because I think they've been out I mean, there's kind of nothing else to do. Yeah, I I, I adored it. Um, The script was great. The performances are all top notch. I loved the places the the script went that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I was expecting once I got there, I was a step ahead of it. But uh, going in, did not guess where it was going. Really, really enjoyed it. A lot of true nuances that probably we'll get into after your broad strokes. So what'd you think? Broad strokes, loved it. I, I think it's safe to say the most beautiful i'm gonna caveat most probably the most beautiful american animation movie ever made i mean i don't know maybe some of the very early disney movies are right up there like the the bambies and the you know early original pinocchio and snow white but this is up there this is in and it's innovative in a way that those are beautiful in their artworks and 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 they were innovative in their time this is a new step into the innovate innovation of you're actually looking at moving art yeah it's it's so it's thoughtful. And so stunning and yeah. so 
like pushing the boundaries of what animation should be doing and we've been so like not taking advantage of that frankly as a as a culture yep. um and i think maybe i'll talk about that a little more in my mix nicks about why that is but um it yeah it's just this sort of like you can do anything in animation so why aren't we doing anything right. in animation <laughs> like um and you know elemental has come out neither of us have seen it and i think one of the common complaints i've seen is just that it's like yet another pixar talking blob movie and it's like yeah there's a house style for these kinds of movies at Pixar, as much as I love what they've done, and I think they really did sort of move something forward. Oh, absolutely. But these house styles are become kind of constricting, and this movie really engages with, like, that idea in, uh -huh. in the story of, like, what yep. is a house style, and, like, when can it change, and when should it be allowed to change? And, uh, yeah, I think we can go a little deeper now, but, like, yep. this... Uh, I think this movie really is about challenging the idea of a fixed canon and whether any such thing has merit and i think the argument is yes and no like honestly right. it's sort of like and i'm so intrigued by this open question of like there are things that we return to because we know the beats of them and they're familiar stories and they're comforting and they're comforting and but also then how do we challenge them? Because they've got to challenge them. We can't just literally make them over and over again, beat right. by beat. Um, I mean, yeah. Otherwise it's, okay, let's do this once again. My name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by yeah, <laughs> radioactive spider. It plays on that. So funny about it. Of that, especially in the first one, this, this is what you're familiar with. Because every time we've done a Star, War, uh, Star Wars, a Spider-Man trilogy, it's been the same origin story. It's been Peter Parker as a, as a high school student. He gets bit. He loses his uncle. He loses his blah, 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 blah. J.K. Simmons is screaming in the background. And that's fine. And some of them are really good. But that's what I love about this, where it's like, it's accepting that that is part of the story and it's what got us here and so it's respecting that but also saying we don't have to keep doing that and we don't have to everything doesn't have to be hemmed in by the regular and the normal and the expected and the binary right and the binary <laughs> good context thank good you setup here. Um, <laughs> just knocking it out and i will follow up by saying yes if you haven't read these articles about where gwen stacy might be headed and whether they're trans or non-binary or something who knows where they're going with that but there's certainly enough easter eggs in this movie that there's something up and they're yeah. thinking about it um and I think one thing that I, I keep coming to new thoughts about this movie, which is the sign of a fucking great movie, yep. is that, like, I think there's been such a reaction with young queer people about, mm -hmm. we don't want coming out stories born out of trauma. Yep. We're, we're done with that. That doesn't, like, do anything. And that's exactly what the movie is addressing of this thing of, like, you know, maybe we can have a story that's, like, you know, the trauma isn't inevitable or, like, right. our traumas aren't all just, like the same or it's not our defining thing i guess most yeah and we can go stop like, our traumas if we know they're coming yeah yeah <laughs> maybe hopefully <laughs> yeah it's so yeah it's all of this is hard to talk about because the movie really does end midstream in a way that's like this does feel like very much half of a story but i will say as half of a story it raises a ton of thoughts where yeah. it's like 
I don't know what the answers to these questions are going to be, but the questions themselves are provocative enough that I am and so psyched to have it. <laughs> you knew it, as long as you knew going in, which I did, yeah. that this is a two-parter. Do not expect your conclusions. And it told most of its story. It set up what it wanted to set up and it left its conclusion open, but you got miles all the way through to his escape from the spider verse. Right. Um, Oh, that's what you call it. It's a dumb name. I can't remember what Miguel <laughs> oh called it, but <laughs> so many something good arachnoid, something that was terrible. So many good uh, yeah. <laughs> toss off lines yep. that are just gold. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, the sound mix could be better. When I went, when, when I went back, I, uh, I saw it you once saw with you and I saw it once with Josh. It was definitely better. You could understand like 85% of what Hobie was saying. And that, and the 15% was just because Daniel Kalula has that really deep voice that certain words just go. And that accent. And he's, his, not, the he accent. He was not trained towards that. But also his, my ear is trained toward it. Yeah. For me, it's really the, the how his voice the tenor of his voice i can't sometimes yeah. and he's does things in that very kind of calm way yeah so calm and low i forget it it's I funny can't hear it. it was very clear in the sound mix and i think this kind of again speaks to the movie's intent and what it's trying to do new like if we're so used to this animated pitch at like families and they're kids, and there's no nuance, and it's just like, everything's like, I'm a this, I'm a that, right. I'm a globby, I'm a gloomy, here we go, we're solving a problem. And it's like, this movie right. clearly, yeah, that was my impression of every Pixar and Disney movie of the last <laughs> 20 years, apparently. Um, but but it's true, they're very at a yeah. s- like similar pitch, and you can tell that they tried to do, like, let's get nuanced voice performances that you wouldn't normally see in these kinds of things. Totally. Like, let's let the mic like lean in and lean out and whatever. And like, right. and the movie kind of does that visually, but I think they maybe went a little too far right. in that, but I'm like, that's fucking thrilling that they tried something new. Right. Well, um, and if you look at, if you watch Kula and just about any live action thing, he does that, yeah. you know, his, his delivery and his pitch is very, calm yeah for lack of a better word it's very considered and it's lean in it's It's, a lean in performance like you sort of have to with this movie in so many ways like lean in and kind of pay attention to the texture it's not just simply giving you sort of this like oh i can you know double screen while i watch this it invites you to really like pay attention to the details and i man i just it's so rich it is Literally, it's just the word. It's like the rich, the details, the jokes, the thoughts. Um, just there's so many different ways to read this movie. Totally. Um, I'm just, I'm astounded by it. It's really, and I have another thing in my kind of list of things I've seen that I liked recently that I think is right up there with it. But I think we're at a really exciting point for animation. And the fact that those are the movies that are doing well right now, I hope, I mean, I, I'm cynical enough to know that it won't. It'll right. probably give us more Minions Part 10, but I'm like, I'm loving that there is an we appetite for things that are pushing us. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anything There's... else? No. No. Bring on the next one. Um, it's already written and almost done, so we, this is not going to be a um, writer's uh, strike Except I have thoughts about that. I know I you do. Get to I know you do. But, but at least it's not going yes. to be. At least it's written. 
Yes. So it's yeah. not going to be yeah. waiting on that strike. Which, by the way, pay your writers because I cannot go into this. I cannot go into a TV drought. I can't do it. Yeah, like I can't watch. I, I already feel terrible about myself enough for watching so much RuPaul's, yeah. like, Mexico is the latest one. Like, no shade to these Mexican drag queens that deserve their moment in the spotlight, but I cannot deal with nope. 30,000 versions of this. I need real, Last like, Rider Strike stuff. Big Brother, like, started coming on every single night. Um, Jesse Plemons killed a guy. He'll do it again. Um, bad, bad things happened. Bad. Can we just pay our writers and Nothing move on? Nothing seems to be happening, which is so... It's frustrating. It's like I mean, yeah. we're not in the know on that, but yeah. uh, I think if the actors start to go, that's gonna if they say no, we're going out. I think yeah. at that point, uh, be a mass reckoning. Yes, of, some sort. of you got to make some. You know, I'm yeah. mad at the directors, but I'm not surprised right. that they were like, oh yeah, we'll take our see you later. Right. Um, but I don't. I think there is enough crossover between actors and writers that I don't think they're gonna get. Okay. I think if the actors start to go too, that it's gonna there's gonna be some pressure. It's just my opinion. Yep. Fingers crossed for yep. everybody. Um, all right. Next up, uh, speaking of things that were already written long ago and had a great text to work from, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, this is the very famous Judy Bloom book. Um, I actually had to check. It's been a while since we recorded. I was like, did we not talk about this? Because it nope. seems so long ago. I think we went to see it after we recorded. Yeah, right after we recorded. Um, this is Kelly Freeman Craig, who directed Edge of 17, which I'm pretty sure I've seen. But not a director that was super on my radar. Somebody that was, um, you know, I feel like these Judy Bloom books for so long have been like, how do you crack these classic right. Things and I was surprised that more people hadn't done it and it wasn't a bigger thing. And there's a new documentary that came out, which is also totally worth watching about the life of Judy Bloom. Mm, that's um, how you slipped that in there. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're cheating. Oh, I cheated a little bit. <laughs> you that's did true. cheat. I did cheat that in. But there was clearly, my point is, there's been a Judy Bloom moment. And so something was clearly up and I was wondering why it was up. And we got this movie. And do you think it lived up to the moment of Judy Bloom? Yes. I thought it was lovely and extremely touching, and I am not on the Wi-Fi. I was going to look up the uh, two, the woman, the girl who played Margaret and the girl who played the creepy best friend um, that, I mean, she's not creepy. She's just, you know, not the 13-year-old that I would hang out with, because I didn't want to just mention the adults, where Kathy Bates and Rachel McAdams are both so good and I don't want to say nuanced again. They, these performances are very, they're very assured. They're, um, and layered and just, they are true people that you have known. This is your like kind of weird mom that probably in five years, all your friends will think is really cool. But right now, neither one of you really knows where you are. And your grandmother that wants to be kind to her weird daughter-in-law that she doesn't really know but doesn't know exactly how to do that because she's just used to being an overbearing mother and grandmother and in the midst of that all of these kids all four of the main friends the three friends of margaret and margaret are all great as well as the the reach out to the to the girl that she that she is mean to without meaning to because she's developed faster um it's it was so good. It was 
It was a moment in time from my childhood, but it didn't just feel nostalgic. I really, I loved it. What do you think? Those actors, by the way, are Abby Ryder uh, Fortson and L. Graham. Thank and, you. Uh, first of all, I think that's a great segue into the fact that this movie just casts these sort of like young unknowns who were so fucking good and so right for the role and so natural. Um, this movie is just every beat of it is so low key. It just constantly takes the low key approach, which I feel like so much of like, sorry, I'm going to make us all ranty at the clouds dinosaurs here. But um, those books were lovely because they were so low key. Like, Things didn't have to be so high stakes. It could literally just be like a story about like, well, I get my period. I got my period. What happens in between? Like, right. It's just such a different time of writing. And I, it made me realize how lucky I feel to have been kind of like learned to read during that right. kind of time, like learning to love reading during that time. Um, I wish more, I do wish more like YA and sort of younger books took this approach i understand why they're not taking risks on those kind of books because i mean i i understand it i don't approve of it but you know what i mean like just these slow really just moment in time books i just don't feel like we're getting those sort of books and i think this movie leaned into that and proved that it can even work in a freaking movie adaptation right. which is surprising i don't um, necessarily agree with you about the ya genre not necessarily having no moment in time. I think that genre YA gets a lot more attention, but there's plenty of just yeah. There's plenty of Maybe YA. It's just not like getting, this. It's just not getting the attention yeah. from the larger, um, you know, zeitgeist. Yeah, and I say this as somebody who loves genre, and right. like does yeah. not actually seek out the actual, you know, right. sort of smaller stories that I probably would love just right. as much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I love this movie. I thought it was so smart about kind of the religion kind of aspect of it. It's so rare that we see stories about young people grappling with yeah. religion at that age. And I mean, it really, I think I was telling you, made me think of my own weird thing where I, as a young queer kid who didn't felt, you know, didn't feel like they belonged anywhere, basically suddenly decided that the like cool, let's face it, kind of hot guys that I was skateboarding with um, went to church and I wasn't like really, as somebody who had had atheist slash agnostic parents was like, maybe that'll help me fit into them and made my parents get me baptized at age 12. Um, and uh, How did Connie and John <laughs> approach that? I They were just kind of like, well, this is not what we expected <laughs> okay. and sure we'll do that i mean like it was great a, yeah okay. i mean they were supportive but a little i could feel the eyebrow raising i can sort of remember <laughs> just sort of that part of it but that exploration and i love the scene so much in this which i'm sure is straight out of the book where she goes to different churches and tries to sort of explore those communities and it's sort of like she's like they're fun. I get the community. I like the singing at this church. I like the whatever at this church. But there's still a sense of like this isn't fulfilling. I thought like God would talk here. to me in my in my yeah. yeah yeah no absolutely there wasn't some magical moment of me knowing that the spirit was there yeah yep and it's just the book and the movie are so good about identifying that hole in all human beings' existence yep. and making it so relatable and also like sort of being like, ah, you find your God where you can take it. Like just sort yep. of like, 
Um, well, and that's faith. Yeah. What a fucking great book and what a great adaptation yep. and great performances all around. And I really hope this is not forgotten at like Oscar time. Because yeah. I really think this Agreed. is, we need movies like this and we need movies, you know, to be made like this and people yep. to go see them because every single person, including the, especially the little kids behind us in the movie <sighs> theater who were, I was sort of like, are they going to be bored by this? Will this make any sense to them? No, it's set in the 70s. They were riveted by yep. it because you could tell it spoke so directly to their yep. experience. Yep. It was really good. It was yeah. very touching to yeah. experience that with them. I agree. Love that movie. Yep. Um, all right. And then. Speaking we, of genre YA, Justin. We got <laughs> a book for something we both read. And we're going to talk about a book we both oh loved. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes. And it is true. It is genre YA. Um, this is The Lake House, which apparently there's a lot of Lake House books. Yeah. I, looked up. I mentioned this one the last time we, rec- we recorded because the ghost was actually a ghost. Yep. Or, you know, it wasn't, yep. you know, in your mind. And so you were going to pick it up. And yes, there are lots of The Lake House. This is not the one with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. This is not that. And is that based on a book? I don't think so. Okay, there's some Lake House book that kept popping yeah. up by somebody else. This is Sarah Beth Durst. I feel like you know a little more about Sarah I mean, Beth Durst. So a little bit. Yeah, little I've bit. read yeah. a lot more of her books. I know her a teeny tiny little bit, like to say hi to. Um, so I was aware. I haven't read her middle grade, but I, I have read most of her YA genre stuff. She... Uh, wrote a book called uh eat slay uh eat eat pray slay i think or eat love pray anyway it's a vampire yeah it's a parody it's very good um nice yeah yeah so this book is about very quickly three um you know what what age are they i was a little unclear i would assume they're like yeah young high school 16 Yeah. yeah and they are sent to a summer camp in the middle of the woods uh it's a little weird and mysterious and they get there and there's uh basically without going into too many spoilers there's no longer a camp for them to be at and they are quickly sort of stalked by somebody or something um in the woods and need to sort of figure out what's happening and survive and figure out how they're going to get back they all have their own kind of just complications and insecurities and are trying to figure out just kind of how to survive this like experience out in the woods. Um, It's funny that it's, I mean, it's like, I I only really thought about the YA-ness of it until the very, like at the very end or something. When their parents had to come back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it was even in the acknowledgements. It was like, Oh, something about a YA novel. And I was like, Oh, right. This is a YA novel. Cause it really, yeah, it. Uh, I think to your point, what you always say that like it's just a marketing term in mm-hmm. a sense. And uh, I thought this book was great. It just yeah. is very a taut kind yep. of. It's extremely well constructed. Um, I do think she had her. Not is it a ghost? It's not in their head. I think you know there. Yeah, there was some hand waviness, but she she went with her idea and she followed it all the way through. She wasn't afraid to say this might be a little bit too extreme for some people, but this is the story. This is the way I want to tell it. And this is the solution that I want to have. And I thought that was super impressive. I liked that she made it something kind of a little bit extreme, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's thrilling in the way that there keep being. And I said, you know, we're both people that do our own writing stuff. So it's sort of like, 
she's really good at piling on new problems. Yes. And just being like, oh, God, how am I going to get out of this? And most of the time when writers do that, I feel like you can feel like, well, they've done that, but now they can't really figure a good way out of that. Right. And I feel like this keeps kind of figuring ways out of the things yes. that she throws in this character's way. Um, and then it's also just a really sweet, and she says this, talks about this in the acknowledgments, like about young women and their friendships and how yep. those are not always well represented or yep. even often well represented in um, kind of, you know, these sort of genre pieces where it's sort of like they all turn against each other or they're like, there's a bitchy one and there's a whatever. And I think the malleability and the way that these characters influenced each other in sort of a triangle way was really cool. And I just don't think I've seen that done well. And I think about things like Stranger Things and I think the things I loved about Stranger Things in the beginning sort of got at that and it quickly like slipped away from them. And I feel like this is like, oh, this is really good use of young people in that genre. Yep. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. Anyway, check it out. It's I think it's yeah was an excellent, tight, well constructed romp into yeah. you know, I'm not even gonna say low stakes, but it's not gory. You know, like yeah. like the the type of horror it is is it's you know it's elevated goosebumps if yeah. you will. You yeah. know, it's scary in that clean way of a fun little romp of scariness. And I think it really goes into like the canon of like sorry not to be canony and whatever as we've talked about spider-verse but i think it's up there with like the blairs like yeah if you want some kind of like good younger horror fiction i think this totally. goes in the people hopefully we'll be talking about this book for a while yep and i'm I, curious to see what she writes next because yeah i really enjoyed it she's good yeah. she's, she's very talented yeah Okay, so do you want to tell me three things that you liked, Justin? Three things that I liked. Uh, speaking of animation, Suzume. This is uh, Makoto Shinkai's... Uh, I don't know. They've made a lot of movies, but I think this is kind of the third big um, U.S. release, at least. Uh, basically, a Japanese director. Um, the earlier movies were Your Name, which I think I talked about on this podcast a long time ago. And there's a second one called Weathering With You, which I still haven't seen, and now I really want to go back and see. Um, this one, Suzume, is a crazy, like, fantasy about um, this young woman in Japan who's basically uh, following around this guy whose responsibility it is to seal off portals where bad things come through and cause natural disasters like earthquakes or tsunamis. So it's very much rooted in the history of Japan's real geographic kind of disasters. And she sort of feels like this onus of like, okay, I got to go help him because very quickly he turns into a chair. Sorry, that's a spoiler. And it's such a brilliant joke because he's like, it's set up as this like love interest. And they're going to be this pairing. That's going to like solve this thing. And immediately he's like a three legged chair. And she's like, you're such a fucking pain. I have to solve (laughs) all these problems because you're a three legged chair. That's how about like following me around now. Um, And there's a very cute cat um, my God, this cat is ridiculous. It's sort of evil and cute at the same time. Um, it is just beautiful in the same way that like the Miyazaki films are beautiful, where it's just like pictures of a Japanese seaside and the wind blowing through the grasses and just I, the way these movies look and the amount of attention and care that went into sort of crafting the world. And then also just sort of things about... Um, 
you know, like all the tr- back to trauma, all the trauma that Japan has faced uh, for many, many reasons, but sort of acknowledging sort of how, um, I don't know, like tying that into a genre story of like, if there was like a, a mythical reason these things were happening, you know, how would that be kind of reconciled? And like, is that fair to these characters and to this, these people? And sort of, I don't know, it's just a really thoughtful, sweet movie and just really trippy and intoxicating and all these movies are just like sort of like quietly feminist in a cool way that i just think is like they're very low-key about it and just sort of like just happens to be a female character and like sort of expectations put upon her and the way she sort of overcomes those expectations and kind of does what she needs to do while also kind of like setting boundaries for herself is like i don't know i'm just i think it's we're in a new cool age of sort of that kind of storytelling and especially in animated films like we certainly don't get those kinds of stories about female characters here with such nuance so um more of that please um hopefully you know beyond the spider-verse we'll like dig into gwen even further and give us even more of that because um yeah so yep. I, I really like that movie you hurt my feelings nicole i can never say her name holofcener i think think that's right yeah i should know her how to say her name given she's been around for so long now she's made a ton of movies uh this is her latest collaboration with julia louis dreyfus um this is a fun again i think this is my theme this week i always have some weird theme i'm really enjoying just subtle kind of like like soft sell inner like art this month i don't know why just things that are and it's funny that the movie's called you hurt my feelings because it's literally absolutely like not about that (laughs) right um and the premise of this is that uh julie louis dreyfus plays an author who's written her second book her husband basically she catches her very otherwise sweet and supportive therapist husband uh bad mouthing the book to a friend she overhears it she's basically like is everything like you hurt my feelings is everything a lie um does you know does has he been lying to me the whole time and the entire thing i'm sorry slight spoilers for you hurt my feelings ends up being basically about like yeah sometimes you just like lie to people you love and it's like okay and it's like sucks but it's also just sort of like you do it because you love people and sometimes it's okay just to let those kinds of things go um what how f- mean is tobias menzies about the book is it real mean Not or is it just much. kind She's of just like i just like, didn't I don't think really it was like great it. Oh. yeah and it's sort of like but it's so devastating of to course. her, and it's sort of just about your outsized expectations about people in your life that you kind of like always expect to have your back right and he he does in right. even about this book in a funny way. Right. And then it also sends him on a journey of like, he's a therapist and his literal job is to like lie to people all the time right. in some ways. And so the movie explores all of that in a very gentle kind of funny, interesting way. And my husband, Dave, I think will be okay with me talking about this was kind of going through a bad patch. And I was like, let's go see this movie. You like this director. We love Julie Louis Dreyfus. And it's kind of started and I was a little like, oh, oh, is this going to, where is this going to go? And then it quickly, we were both just like, ah, this reminds us so much of like us, you know, sometimes we just like be like, it's going to be fine. Or like things, you know, that are not necessarily true or whatever. And that's how you support each other sometimes. And that sort of cycling through that. This is a sweet, sweet movie. And again, an adult kind of romance movie that, it's becoming fewer and far between to like show up in theaters with like main stars. So like support these movies. They're great. Um, 
And then I got a third thing that's a, just a real dumb. If you just if you just want to go get your ghost fix and actually have a ghost, um, go see the Boogeyman. It's probably already gone from theaters, honestly. Uh, this is the adaptation of the Stephen King story um, about a literally a boogeyman under like in the closet under the bed for uh these kids and it is real and the parents don't believe them and then the people that eventually see it infect other people by telling the story about it um there's not much to say about this movie except i thought it was really fun and really well done with great creature design it's rare that you see a new creature in these horror movies that is actually What's that? It's back at Bay Street. Ah, it's back at Bay Street. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you have okay. to go at 940, but it is right. back. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, and I really like the cast in this. This is uh, Sophie Thatcher, who's on Yellow Jackets, which mm. I did not know. I did not she know her She plays young Juliette Lewis. Cool. Yeah. Young, I can see that. And she's sort of this tough bruise of a, a young woman. And I, the way they do it, though, is like... That can feel so cliche, and I liked the way they sort of subverted that a little bit. Like, she really is protecting her younger sister. That's her main thing. They're both mad at their dad, who is played by Chris Messina, who is just sort of, like, racked by grief, as they all are from the loss of their mother. But it's like, he's totally shut down, and it's sort of about him not paying attention and them having to kind of parent themselves. And there's just, there's, like, nice sort of subtext of this movie, and it's creepy, and it's fun, and... If you like Nicks. those kind of things, go see it. Um, I got a next. My next really quick is uh, the situation for visual effects artists and animators. Uh, there was recently an article in New York Magazine called Spider-Verse Artists Say Working on the Sequel Was Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts. Um, this is about essentially the fact that in between the... <laughs> all of these artists and the computer CGI artists are given these ridiculously short time schedules. They are working themselves to the bone to basically meet the corporate kind of line and get these products out quickly. The flash just came out. It's getting shit on for many reasons, but one of the biggest the is CGI how suit. terrible it looks. And the artists have come out and basically said, we don't have time. We, if it, somebody said, if it looks like it took a week to do this in the flash, it was because we had a week. Mm -hmm. And so as we're talking about writer striking and actor striking, like maybe we had it's... a week that we worked by the way, 20 hour days. Exactly. I, I was with someone for a long time who worked at a large house that may or may not have been parodied on uh, poker face. That's all we're going to say. Amazing. It has some, some initials. <laughs> anyway, I was my, my boyfriend of a long, long time worked there and I spent, many many a night asleep on the couch in there in his office waiting for him to finally be able to go it it was that bad then and they changed the stories and then the animators are quick mm. to scrap everything oh, yeah. and then if you leave and don't fight for your piece among the thousands of animators working on a thing you lose your kind of you know stake in it there's just the system is super broken and as we oh lean, the stake in it forget it i remember when that same place tried to then get them all to sign contracts and my boyfriend walked at that point i know a lot of people who did sign and, and go ahead but what they were signing away was their reels was there yeah. it was it was ugly and this was 25 years ago and as we lean harder into genre and animation and all this stuff that that's a the mm -hmm. one of the main pieces of this thing and audiences are starting to notice and care yep. and so give your 
uh, animators and visual effects people time, pay them well. <laughs> like uh, all of the same things we've been saying yeah. with the with the strike stuff. So, um, and I will say, James Cameron. I, I hate to say one nice thing about James Cameron, but when he delays those fucking Avatar movies five years, it's like. I do think part of it is he's giving those people time to like do the work they want to do. I I have heard that he's actually the one person in the industry that's actually. Well, that's nice that he gives it to the animators because he's a complete asshole to most of the other people. Yeah. Sorry. I, he's... Gonna, I said I hate to say one nice thing, but that's the one nice thing yeah. I'll say. Because he abuses so. lots of other workers. Yeah. So. Yeah. I get you. I understand. Yeah. We'll give him that due, but I, right. I don't. Blah. Sorry, I had to. Shake off James Cameron. <laughs> Did we want to talk about Tom Cruise next? I'll get rid of that too. Right, right. Okay. Um, what do I have? Things that I, my three things that I think that is worth looking at currently. Uh, couples therapy on Showtime. This is exactly what it sounds like. It is not like, okay, you know, love is blind. You know, it is literally a GoPro for. In a couples therapy wow. office, you meet three uh, couples per season. It's the same therapist. Her name is Una. And going through their therapy sessions with them. And then even further, her therapy sessions with her therapists that wow. they, oh, you know, when they talk about. It is thoughtful. It's good. This um, season is, there's uh, a queer, at least one queer couple and some other, like, you know, not quite poly, but sort of open. One of them is the, the queer relationship is poly. Some really interesting dynamics that they're bringing in and talking about very unsensationalized. I think this is a great show. It's fascinating. And it's cool. not, yeah, it is not sensationalized or like, you know, uh, like shock gazy for, for lack of, you know, you know, men's gaze, shocks gaze, that type of uh, thing. It is not that it is really truly about what, what therapy can be and, and how these people, what their journeys are. It's really, really good. And I love Una and I want to hug her anyway. And, and does it not necessarily always end in like success? That is correct. Okay. That's what I'm guessing. And sometimes yeah. she doesn't like the people, but her reasons for not liking them and she, and how she has to deal with that is good. I just, I think this show is fascinating and I think it's really good. And, well, it's and are there, worth looking. is it one season? So There's three seasons, right? Wow. Yeah, okay. I've never even heard of this. All right. I'll check this out. Yes. Um, I, don't oh this is on max of course yeah. it is because i think it was originally a discovery plus thing david zasloff i have i nixed you to the stars and back you're not my next but you suck that <laughs> new interface is terrible also yeah also yeah also you suck um however there is this absolutely bonkers i think six episode show called the curious case of natalia grace do you know anything about this case, Justin? This is like a couple in the Midwest adopted what they say they thought was a six-year-old. And it turned out that they think that, well, they claim that they think that she was trying to kill them and that she's much older. She, they had her re-aged. They shipped her off to live in her own apartment building. And so the question is, was she trying to kill them? Were they just horrible and abusive? How old is she? This is some, and that's just the basic stuff. This is bonkers, nuts, it is like the orphan in real life. Yeah. I, I mean, it, literally, I was like, was this what the orphan was based on when Dave was telling me about it? But, uh, yeah. Well, it was too. It, it, yes and no. Yeah. I, I know that the, that this story was thought when the original one came out. It is. 
I can't say much except more, except that it's bazoo and banana pants, and you should probably watch it. Nice. That's just all I'm going to say about that. If you need like six seasons, six hours of what the, I'm sorry, who now? And the dad, the one that the, 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 the mom doesn't really talk of this couple. Oh, he is. Scary. Well, he's over the top. Okay. He's like, yeah, it's he's sometimes he's a little uncomfortable to watch just okay. because you're like, I can't tell if you're performing. And if you're not, then you are in need of some help, sir. Even okay. if everything that you're saying is absolutely true, you are in need of some help, sir. I am very interested to see what you think of it. And I think you should watch it tonight. And does it merit six hours? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it could have done more. Okay. Like this is some crazy stuff. All right. okay. And apparently, there's going to be a follow up where they talk mostly to Natalia Grace. I forgot how old she actually is. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> she says she's 19. Okay. They have had her age changed. She's actually legally she's 35, okay. and she has to say that her date of birth is in 1989. But wow. she says she was born in 2003. Wow. Crazy shit. Okay. On freebie. Freebie, which you can find anywhere. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Hulu, whatever. Um, there is a show called Primo. Uh, it's about a kid who lives in a house with his single mom and uh, a roving circus, a circulating <laughs> uh, two, three, four, five uncles and basically trying to, to navigate life with this many people honing in and having their opinions and poking at you and poking at each other and but in the end it's just actually this very sweet story about families and how we drive each other absolutely insane but also (laughs) we're really going to look out for each other and it is heartwarming the jokes per minute it buzzes right along it's very funny I highly recommend it. And it's a Mike Schur thing, right? Is yes, that, okay. it is Mike Schur. Yeah. Yep. And it's P-R-I-M-O, yeah. Primo. Primo, which yeah. means like cousin, I think. Even right. though he's not their cousin, I do I do believe that that's where, what that means. Um, I may or may not have looked it up, but now it fell out of my head. Cool. Um, I have Nix. Nix me. On Hulu, there is a one episode show called something like... The women of Jonestown. So apparently now the patriarchy also wants the women who were involved in Jonestown to actually be the reason that all the bad shit went down. Like nobody would have killed themselves if it wasn't for the women and the women propped up Jim Jones and the women were the reason that it got so out of control. They had the Kool-Aid recipe. maybe. It was flavor aid. (laughs) It was great flavor aid. And it, I, I was like steam coming out of my ears, Justin. I was like, really, really, this is where we're going with this. We are turning around and we're talking to Jim Jones's son about how this was everybody else's fault. I mean, yeah, they, they, they don't take the blame off of Jim Jones, but they certainly like it wouldn't happen without the women. I, I cannot, I can't, it's like. One thing that was obviously a man's fault, and you have figured out how to make it these three women's fault. You know what? Fuck you. These three women that he abused and lied to, and and but it's their fault. Really? These three abused women are the reason that all those people committed suicide and that they killed the, the Congress. I am 
Fuck you. Yeah. So mad. That's pretty nixy. Yeah, that was I was very nixed about that. <laughs> uh, should we do quick news section? Yeah. All right. Um, I was a contestant on the newest season of the uh, Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show, Woo-hoo. episode two. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, episode two of season nine. If you want to look out for it, um, so I'm there. I can. We can put a link in the show notes, maybe yeah, if you want. I can do that. And so that was really fun. Uh, Minks and Good Omens have return dates uh, July 21st and 28th, respectively. So excited for some uh, I know Minks on Stars, Good Omens on Amazon. Very excited for both of those. I have updated the uh, TV premiere dates through August and the few things that have September through October uh, or through November release dates as uh, well. And I'm going to get on movies. So, um, yeah. And do you want to talk about things we might talk about next week? Yeah, some things on our radar, some of which we've already dabbled with, but feel like in our new format, we wanted to give a little more time before we talked about them. Uh, The Bear, I'm a Virgo, Elemental, Past Lives, uh, Nimona, Nimona, and um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which... Heard, Chef! Please don't be so (laughs) nixed. Like, I just feel like it's just nixing itself, like, when I speak it. It's just like, uh, <laughs> I look at her, it's nix, 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 nix. Corner. Yeah. Chip. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, anyways, you talk to us about any of these things. Do you like our new format? We'd love to hear. Uh, we are at the Nick's Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can email us, motionnix at gmail, which I haven't checked in forever i have okay still nothing <laughs> still nothing. um and <laughs> well, also on twitter at the next podcast and fanny's at fanny darling fanny, fanny v, v darling, darling. <laughs> on twitter and we will see you next time see you later